welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 27th of June 2010, entitled Giving the Greatest Gift. And the Bible readings are taken from Acts chapter 3 verses 1 to 11 and Acts chapter 4 verses 5 to 12. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word beginning in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. As the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Then if you'll jump down with me into chapter 4, picking up in verse 5. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Anus the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Father, we thank you again for your goodness. We thank you now, Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, that you have preserved it and given it to us. Now we ask that by the power of your Spirit that you would take it, Lord, that you would take it and use it. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this evening. Lord, that you might speak that which can only come from you. In Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. Of course, we find a familiar story before us. As we see, first of all, Peter and John going to the temple, which was the normal thing for them to do. At this ninth hour of the day when they would normally go there for prayer, which would be like the third time that they would have gone to the temple for prayer that day. And of course, here lay this one that the Bible says was a, a lame man. 
And he had been that way since birth. Nothing had ever changed him. But he was, every day he was bought and he was put by the gate there at the temple. And of course, that's where he would beg his alms, uh, that some gift would be given to him that he might be able to survive. And as Peter and John came along and he was there, of course, he looked at them and they looked at him. And as he was asking alms of them, Peter said, look here, look on us. And of course, as this lame man looked up, Peter made this statement, which is very familiar to many of us in verse in chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I don't, I don't have any money to give to you. But such as I have, give I thee. There is something that I do have that I want to give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I guess that as we look around the world, we can see many, many, many needs today. We pass men and women on our way to work, on our way to church. Many of them, they have needs that are just as urgent as this lame man that was laid there by the temple gate every need, every day. Of course, the truth is, is that many of the needs and the people around us, they aren't quite as obvious. It was easy to look at this man and see that he was a cripple. His need was very obvious. But of course, many of the people that we come into, their needs are inward needs, needs that we can't see physically, but they're just as real. This man had been laying here for 40 years. Helpless, hopeless, depending on others for his food, for a living, to even be able to, uh, to get his meals. And of course, as we look around us sometimes, our thought this evening I want us to think on is, is giving the greatest gift. Many times we can feel awkward when we see somebody that's, that's in need. Sometimes we may have something that we can share with them and we can feel good about it. And other times we don't. But just like Peter and John here, I would say to you this evening that as Christians, we have the resources at our disposal for meeting the deepest needs of every human being that breathes. So many times we look around and we we see, we see many times needs that are very real. But what I want to remind us of this evening is that many of these needs are real and the Lord can meet those needs. But the greatest need of all, by God's grace, the same grace that saved you and I, God's the one that has the power to be able to reach into those lives and to fix that which is broken, to fix that which is inwardly broken, that nothing else in all the world can fix. And I say that we have the responsibility to share that with everyone that we possibly can. I don't think that it was any coincidence as we look at this reading here that this lame man was actually laid at the temple door, at the church door, if you would, is where he was laying as the people would be coming in and out of the temple all day long. I mean, it should be 
And sometimes it kind of bothers us. It should be that people would expect those that are Christ-like, those that are the Christians, to have the most generous hearts, those to be the most generous people, to be the most loving and caring people. And so therefore they were laying him here where these people that would be going in and out of the temple all of the time, they would be the ones that would pass by and hopefully be able to meet his needs. Now, we know very well that just because people go in inside of a church door doesn't mean that their hearts are all that they, they should be. But this seemed like a, a practical place for them to start. And of course, Peter and John had learned from the greatest teacher of all. They were the ones that had walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. They had seen Jesus Christ, and even here early in this ministry already, they recognized that he had compassion the multitudes. He had wept for Jerusalem. He had prayed for those as they'd seen him actually nailing our Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. They'd seen him heal the sick before. They'd seen him restore the blind. They'd seen him again restore the lame and the lepers, the deaf and the speechless. They'd seen Jesus doing all these things. They themselves, this is in the early part of Acts. Our Lord has just returned back. It's early ministry days for them, but they had been taught well by our Lord Jesus Christ. They had seen him as he entered into the, to the griefs and the sufferings of those around him. We saw that they themselves had seen him as he was lifted up before the world. And I want us just to look at three simple things about what Peter and John show us here. In this matter of giving to the world, of being compassionate, of, of sharing what we have with the world around us. The first one that we see here, I believe, has to do with possessions. You see, to start with, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. The first thing that we see that is clear is they gave what they had. You can't give what you don't possess for yourself. You have to possess it for yourself. Now, there's a number of things that are important here. Number one, if you're going to share the Lord Jesus Christ with someone else, then you first must possess him yourself. You can't give to them what you don't have yourself. There are so many people that are out trying to do religious work and trying to do things of God. But they don't have a real relationship with God themselves. They have a dose of religion, and that's it. Peter and John, they were able to make a difference in this lame man's life because they were willing to give what they had, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it was indeed all that they could do. God never asked us to do more than we're able to do. Some would see them as poor because they didn't have a lot of the world's goods. Matter of fact, the Scriptures tell us in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20 that the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Lord Jesus Christ didn't have a nice home to invite people back to. Those that followed him, they had to leave behind the possessions they had of this world. What Peter and John had here to share with this man in all of his need was not what they had accumulated in this world, 
but they could only share it because they'd been willing to give up what they had in this world that they might have the greatest gift of all, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. We find that, remember the story that, I think it was Brother Rawls used this text when he was here not long ago in Matthew chapter 17, when there was a point in time when even one shekel was needed to pay the tax for Jesus. He had to perform a miracle at that point in time because there wasn't a bunch of money laying around to be able to do these things. You see, the followers of Jesus Christ had learned to live by faith. We find from Scripture that they didn't carry a, a, a purse. We might uh, see that in man's eyes, their visible resources, the possessions that they had in this world were very, very, very limited. So many times in this world we can get to feeling sorry for ourselves and feel that we're oh so poor. We have the greatest possession in all of the world. We kind of find that uh, people sometimes take a little bit of joy in just feeling sorry for themselves and how tough that they're having it because they, they can't afford to buy this or they can't afford to buy that. Well, I'm reminding you of these two apostles here. They didn't have any earthly possessions to give this man. And the truth is, is that could they have done that? Yes, it would have been a blessing to him. But they gave what they had. And we see as we look on this story that what they had was something that was far, far, far more valuable than what they could have given him had they been able to pour all of their possessions upon them. You know that one thing that amazes me sometimes is some of the most contented, satisfied, happy people that I've ever met in my life was the people that didn't have a whole lot in this physical world. <laughs> they didn't have a whole lot of worries either. They weren't worried about where the next payment was coming from and where this one was coming from and how they were going to go uh, to this trip and how they were going to do this, that, or the other. So many times we allow, and we, we saw this morning as that being just one of the areas that the God of this world will use to blind the minds of people that they cannot see the glorious gospel, the light of the gospel that would come unto them. We find that even though these men gave what they had, and that was all that they could do, it was certainly all that they should do as well. And we as Christians, you see, much had been entrusted to these apostles when you think about it. The Lord had given them the responsibility to be the foundation of this church that he was dying and giving himself for, to carry on that work. Of course, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, he said, Freely ye have received, freely give. It was never meant for Christians live lives unto themselves, live their little lives and die their little deaths, <laughs> and go into the little graves. But the Lord Jesus talked about what he called the abundant life, the abundant life. We find in Philippians 2.15 that he talked about shining as, as lights in the world. In John, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him 
it is sin. If God has given us the responsibility, sometimes we can somehow appease ourselves and feel okay because, well, I haven't done this great sin and I haven't done that great sin and I haven't committed this and I haven't committed that, while at the same time, in truth, we haven't done anything else either. And to know what to do, to know what the Lord has given us to do and not to do it, the Bible says is sin. You see, these two apostles, they didn't have a lot in this world. They didn't have possessions in this world, but they gave what they had. But they had to have it for themselves. They could only give what they had. But what they had was so precious. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, To whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. And of course, the Lord, and we won't turn there, but in Matthew chapter 25, he gives us the, the parable of the talents. And each one was given that which the Lord left them with. And they were responsible and accountable for what he had entrusted them with. But of course, there came an accounting day. And one day we will give an account for what the Lord has entrusted to us as good stewards. So I'm saying here, first of all, we see a wonderful miracle taking place in Scripture. But it wasn't because that it was taking place because that these men had some great position in the world's eyes or because they had great possessions of their own. They had something, but it had nothing to do with this world's possessions. But they were willing to give what they had. But you see, as they gave what they had, there's another very important part about this. Not only does it come to possession of having the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and the responsibility of sharing that with others, but the second thing we see here is the power in which comes with this gift. They didn't just give the gift they had. They said, in the name of Jesus Christ. We find down in verse 16, it says, and his name through faith in his name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we find in the passage that we read, of course, if we were reading all the verses in between, we'd find that, of course, they got thrown in jail for the night for performing this miracle. They did this wonderful deed, but, of course, it upset the powers to be, and so they were thrown in. And then we picked up in the next chapter with the next morning after they'd spent the night in, in, in jail. And, of course, the questions that's being asked to them is there in verse 7, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? How have you done this? Whose authority have you done this in? And of course, notice down in verse 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you hold. There's only one name. And he goes on to make it very clear to them in verse 12. There is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, they gave what they had. They gave what they had in the name of Jesus Christ. It all belonged to Him. Everything they had, you see, it wasn't this world's possessions that they had built up for themselves. What they could offer the world, what they could offer this man when he was in his great need that he'd been there all of his life and nobody had been able to help him. They could offer him something because that which they possessed 
was the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was only in his name, in his authority, in his power, that they could offer to these men what they had. We find that it was only in the name of Christ that this possession had any merit whatsoever. They could have had all the religion in the world and all of the other religious names in the world, but it would have been worth nothing except that what they were giving. He said, it is the only name. There is none other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. I find that he told them back, or over in India, back in Mark chapter 9, verse 4, that even a cup of water given in his name, it wouldn't fail to get its reward. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, we find that the Bible talks about major sacrifices. But what the Lord talked about there was that when we lost something for his sake and the gospels, <laughs> that it would come back 100-fold. <laughs> he would not only just give it back to us, but it would come back 100-fold. If there's any other motive under which we're doing what we're doing other than the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's pretty worthless. We find in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, the Pharisees were praying to be seen of men. They just wanted everybody to know how good they were and how religious they were. The Bible says they had their reward already. They wanted their pat on the back. Well, their pat on the back is all they're going to get. They have no reward beyond that. In John chapter 12 and verse 43, we see that the love of the praise of the men more than the praise of God, they preferred for somebody to tell them how great they were rather than to simply be content with being great in God's eyes. I don't know how many of you have ever worked for somebody that was required you know, to do a certain amount of work, to sell a certain amount of products, or whatever it might be. But I've never known many people that had anything resembling straight thinking about them that went out and did a service or sold something for one person and expected somebody else to pay them for it. We know who we're doing it for, and we know where that reward will be coming from. You see, the ultimate test of all of our gifts, of all of our service, of all of our virtues, is whether or not that we're doing it for Him or whether we're doing it for us. It's easy to say the words for Christ's sake, but do we really mean it for that? Is that what it really is all about, or is it about social position and what people think of us socially? We find that... In order for it to be for Christ's sake, then it's something that genuinely must be from our hearts. We find that we do things not because that somebody else is watching, but because Christ is there all the time. You know, will we keep ourselves morally clean for Christ's sake, or will it be because somebody else might catch us? Will we keep ourselves for Christ's sake? honest, honorable? Will we do so just because that we want to do so for Him? Or will we do so because of what somebody else might think of us? I say to you that 
These apostles saw a wonderful miracle take place in their presence. But it had to do, first of all, with their possession. They didn't have this world's goods, but they had the Lord Jesus Christ. And this meant that all those that had passed him with the world's goods prior to this had not been able. They'd been able to maybe temporarily relieve him. But they were able to give something to them that was beyond that. They were only able to give what they had, what they possessed themselves. But they were able to give that forth in power because what they had was being given in the name and under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that's where the authority lies. John chapter 14, verse 13. Jesus said, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Our motives, if what we're doing is truly for his sake, then God will answer them so that Jesus can be glorified. No, that, not so that people can see how religious that we are. We find that, again, we can use that name, really make a mockery of it. <laughs> so many times people pray. And just out of habit, at the end of it, they tack on, in Jesus' name I pray. But if they're really given thought to what they're praying about, are they really praying it for his sake, in his name, for his glory? That's what it's really all about. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the apostles already knew that even the demons were subject to them in the name of Jesus. They found out real quick that there was no strength in themselves. This had nothing to do with them. But that just the words meant genuinely. When something was genuinely done for Jesus' sake and in his name, they saw the power that was phenomenal. John 4.24 says, They that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. There's no artificialness here. <laughs> There's no pretense. Oh, yes, we can go around talking about doing religious things, but we're talking about seeing an individual's life change that's been placed before religious people all of his life. And yet these come along that have nothing in this world's eyes and they're able to give him something that they possess because they possess the Lord Jesus Christ and they're able to give it to him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's for his glory and his glory alone that they want to be able to give this man the greatest gift that he could ever possibly receive. We can look what the Word of God says many times about when we have dishonest motives but the truth is simply this evening. You see, what I want us to recognize is that the same Jesus that Peter and John possessed is the same Jesus that you possess today if you possess the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not any different. He's not a different person. He's not less in power than he was then. He's still able to accomplish and reach to men's greatest needs, whatever those needs might be. But we must possess him ourselves and we must be willing to pass him on to others, to give them to others in the power and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We can give people the greatest gift in the world, each and every one of us, regardless of our educational levels, regardless of our financial statuses, regardless of our backgrounds, where we've been and what we've done. 
God can change lives, not because of who you are, but because of the Christ that lives in you, because of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to give what you have and to give it for the sake and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his glory in his name alone? Because if you are, and the third thing I want you to see about this gift is his pricelessness. <laughs> Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were able to tell him to stand up and walk. <laughs> you see, they gave something that was far better than silver or gold. Silver and gold can meet people's immediate needs sometimes. But I promise you, silver and gold are quickly spent. It comes and it goes. It's only that which is done for the soul that's going to last, that's going to be eternal. Everything else, no matter how much you pay for it, no matter how hard you work for it, no matter how long you save for it, eventually it will fail. It will come to an end except that which is done for eternity. Men have done great feats. Men still argue over whether they really sent a man to the moon and brought him back alive or not, and that's a, that's a great thing to do. But do you know, with all that it took to put a man on the moon and to bring him back again, all the technological achievement that was involved in that, that is nothing compared to one soul being saved for all of eternity, for a soul being affected forever. That was a moment in time, and it was a deed that was done. But we're talking about doing something that lasts forever, that never has an end to it. Parents sometimes are so concerned about giving the gifts of this world to their children, and that's fine. But to give them all of this world's financial needs, and yet will not point them to the Lord. That's a tragic failure. We can never give them a greater, greater gift than the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can provide medication for those that are sick and ill. And folks, I don't say this to be mean. There are many, many charities out there that will take and, 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 and give so much of themselves in order to meet the, the medical and the physical needs of these people, and that's good. To give shelter to the homeless, to give clothing to those that are destitute, to give food to those that are hungry. But I'm saying to you that if we give all of those things and neglect to give them the greatest gift of all, which is the gospel, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we failed. These people do need to be fed. They do need to be clothed. They do need to be cared for. Jesus Christ had compassion upon them. But when we do it, it needs to be done for His glory, for His honor, in His name, that they might understand. To give them all of that is worthless. It was in the year 1793 when William Carey left and went to India. You know that all these years later that had that same 
ship that he sailed across that ocean on, had it been filled as full as it could be filled with all the bars of silver and gold that would fit in it, that all that that would have done for that nation would have been nothing in comparison to that one man that was willing to go, that was willing to offer them the greatest gift of all, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to grasp the importance of what can be done. I remember seeing a little clip after a horrible earthquake that took place in Iran. And all the relief was being poured in and they were speaking to this lady and all this food was there, but she she was talking and she didn't speak very good English, but she was talking about not being able to eat. And they were asking her why she wasn't able to eat. And she was trying to explain in her broken English that the hunger was not in her tummy, it was in her heart. <laughs> that the hunger was deep within her that no bread could, could reach. I'm saying to you that the world is full of people that all the bread and all the world's possessions cannot and never will meet their needs. That doesn't mean that we take lightly the needs that they have in this world. But we need to always be sure that whatever else we give or don't have to give, that we have within our hearts, within our beings, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that for His glory and for His honor and in His power, we can give them that, and that can change their lives for eternity just as it did this lame man here. You know that, I don't know if many of you have ever had the opportunities of working with drunkards. That could be a challenging thing. But you could get every drunkard out of every gutter. Every drunkard in the world, get him sobered, fed, clothed. Get him back in a job and money in the bank. And yet without Christ, he's still doomed for an eternity in hell. You see, the gospel has been entrusted to us. And it, that gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, will do what all the silver and the gold in the world cannot, will not, and never will do. The aim of the gospel is to save souls. It's not just to make them more comfortable for now. One writer said, it's not to make people more comfortable on the way to the slaughter, but it's to save them from the slaughter. And the truth is we can make them as comfortable as we want in this world, but the same end still lies if we don't give them the gospel. We find that every day, every day that we live is somebody's last opportunity. Somebody. It might be somebody that we work with, somebody that we live next to, somebody that we live close to. It might be somebody on the other side of the world that God's wanting to use you with. But it's somebody's last opportunity. Will we be there? Will we be there to offer them greatest gift of all? You see, when we read this account of Peter and John, this glorious miracle that took place, it should leave us happy. But not just because that the lame man was healed physically, 
But we're left to believe in this word. He got something far more than that because we find this man, he wasn't just walking around after he was it. He was walking and praising and shouting and praising God, the Bible says. He was giving God the thanks for what had happened in his life. Peter and John. You see, you could say that they were, if you would, living above this world in a sense. You and I can live above the mud of this world. That's not to say that we're above other people, that we're better than other people, but folks, we've got something far better to offer this world than just the silver and the gold that those around us can offer. Do we really care? Do we really grasp? Do we really understand what God can do through you? You see, some people today, they would say, well, you know, that was a physical miracle. Yes, it was. And God doesn't go around performing those every day. But God can still perform, and the greatest miracle God ever performs when he saves a soul from hell, an undeserving soul. But you see, I still believe today. I don't, I don't care what man's need is. His greatest need is the Lord Jesus Christ. But God will meet all of his needs, whatever they are. And God is still capable but if God is going to work, and God is going to work in the lives of those around us, He's going to do it through us. If we're willing to give what we have, to give it in the name and for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can give them a gift that is greater than any other gift they could receive that is priceless beyond measure, that is worth more than you could take that poor beggar and write him a check that he could live on for the rest of his life. You can give him far more. You'll take the opportunity to give him the greatest gift of all, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this evening as we look in this story that we even remember, Lord, from Sunday school days. Lord, we've heard songs sung about it. Lord, I pray that through its simplicity this evening that you could just remind us, Lord, we live in a needful world. People have needs of all kinds. Some of those needs are, are so tremendous. And the Father, sometimes we may say to ourselves, boy, I just I wish I had more to give and more than I could do. And, Father, oh, that's good, but may we be able to say, as Peter and John did here, Silver and gold have I none. We may have nothing more to give this world's possessions. We just don't have it. But such as I have. Such as I have. Because I have the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to give him to you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And as we do that, to realize that it's only in the authority, the name, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. Lord, that this gift can change lives for all of eternity. To be anyone here this evening that's never experienced that change, oh, I pray that you would convict them in such a way that they couldn't get away from it, Lord. I pray that they could quit playing games and pretending and thinking they've got something that they don't have, but you show them, Lord. But Father, I pray you just help and encourage us all 
this glorious act that took place here wasn't because of who they were in this world. It was because of who lived within them, who they were working for, whose credit that they were doing it for. God, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that would give what we have, that we'd give it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be willing to give the most priceless gift that's ever been given to mankind. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.